Today we talk about the transformation of HR from a compliance rules, check the checker mentality to a point of view of really leading the organization and shifting the organization in a way that leads to its success. So uh, Joyce and I, we riffed about it in terms of our own experience in HR, uh, some of the mistakes that we've made and some of the changes that we also made that made a big difference. So uh, come on in. Grab a snack and welcome. Hey, Bob. Hey, Joyce. <laughs> it's summertime. Some, some summertime. Whatever. It is summertime. It's beautiful. The birds are chirping. Uh, the yeah. flowers are bursting out. Oh, my God. We had a perfect summer day on Saturday, spring, right between spring and summer. No humidity, not too hot, no clouds, and a Red Sox game in which they had five home runs. So it was was a darn good day. And then um, last night the Rangers won, which I was glad about. Joyce, Joyce, do you know who they beat? Oh, yeah, I do. Sorry. Yeah, that, I told uh, Megan about that. I said I'm really torn. But for, for for those of you that don't follow hockey, uh, and it's really the beauty of sports. Joyce is having just an incredible morning because the New York Rangers hockey team won, and I'm in a state of shock and depression because the Carolina Hurricanes lost to the Rangers. That's the way yeah. life goes, right? Winners and losers. Shut up. Everybody oh, yeah. wins. I used to want, it reminds me of when I was young, I would want to sit in the front seat and the back seat of the car, both. And I could not make up my mind. I, I really was, I want to do both. That's but, weird. Um, Everybody wants the front seat. I, I always, and you know what too? I always want both teams. I want, I like ties. So you're the kind of you're you're the kind of parent that wants every kid from both teams to get a trophy at the end of the game. That's right. Absolutely. Yeah, that really that really Go ahead. I was gonna say that really prepares them for life. I'm trying to apologize for liking the Rangers. I just wanted to see if they could break a taboo, which is win, not on their own surf, turf. Either way, yeah. I would have liked that. So, uh, so, I, I, so this was uh, the Hurricanes' 14th game of the playoffs. And it's, I watch these games, and I get so wound up tight. I mean, my heart rate goes up to 90, yeah, 100, and I'm really into the game. Last night? There was a serenity, and maybe it's that I, I knew that the Rangers not only had the players on the ice, meaning we're playing our second, third sting goalie. They have the best yeah. goalie in the world. Yes, they I, do. I just had this feeling. It's like you can't stop the tide from either coming in or going out, and I felt like our tide was going out while the Rangers was coming in. And isn't it funny how fast you can know that? It's that darn first goal. Oh yeah, and we before the goal, we we like Marianne and I. We just said, you know, it's either going to happen or it's not going to happen, and we're not really confident that it's going to happen. And the players, 
the way you know it's, it's they, such they, a, had given, they had given up in some way and i don't i'm not sure what it was like it, it just fascinates me about the mental environment that's created and you well tell, I, I knew that those socks are going to be humiliated last night and they were they can't <laughs> win big ones in a row it's just very interesting to me and well, I, will say, I, 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 I think it's what I enjoy about sports. We were talking earlier about a good story is relatable, engaging, and true. I think sports is all that in terms of uh, what life is about. I think there's life lessons. There's, um, you know, pitting one force against another. It's excelling at the highest level. I don't know. What are we going to talk about today? Are we going to talk about this? Maybe. <laughs> um, I want to, yes, I, I don't know what we're going to talk about. I wanted to focus on HR and we'll come back to that. But I do have to say that when the hockey games get going too much, yeah, I have to turn the sound off and watch. Otherwise, I'm up on the ceiling. Oh, God. Uh, yeah, and, and last night was perfect. I could go back and forth between hockey and baseball and not get because I with the Red Sox think that I make them lose. Oh, I, I left my Stanley Cup uh, champions hat from 2006 at home in Raleigh. I'm not there right now. So I, I didn't have my hat on last night. Of course, we're so powerful. We can change events. Well, yeah, <laughs> I did. I, well, I, I came here Friday to the beach. I didn't have it Friday night. We lost. I didn't have it. Hmm? It's your fault. It's entirely my fault. Oh, my goodness. And you know what? I, I'll do a segue. People often think everything is HR's fault. Uh, I would agree with that. If only HR would let us do what we need to do. And I really hate that and I hope that's changing and I was reading the HR magazine and said I don't know how they're doing it there's so much complexity to you know yeah it's it's right interesting one of the benefits of being an external consultant is I I get uh, a view uh, an opportunity to see what's happening inside a lot of different companies. And if you look at the continuum of HR's effectiveness uh, or impact, you know, we still have some dinosaurs out there, Joyce. Um, and then we've got some organizations that are just, uh, HR is leading the way. So it's a mixed bag. And, and the ones that have great HR, I think, um, are going to not only survive, but thrive. And those that are still in the sleepy 60s and 70s and 80s and 90s, you know, CEOs going to scratch their head. What's going on with our company? And never look at the fact they got a sleepy, inept HR function. Compliance oriented. Only. Yeah, it, only. It's compliance, it's rules, um, you know. Do you, there is an HR orientation that loves that role, right? Oh my gosh, yes. Oh, you know what? It's the serving role. 
It's like, you know, people are in pain, people are in tough situations, the organism, it's like you're the kind of the paternalistic, maternalistic, um, you know, the, to try to salve the wounds while actually making it worse with rigid rules and um, placating and enabling. Oh, God, how did we get here, Joyce? I don't know. I don't want to pick on anybody doing HR. It is. I don't want to pick on them either because, well, you know. it's a shift. One of the shifts is to get, I, and I work on this almost with anybody I consult with, is what's your point of view? Not necessarily what you, as uh, any leader has to have a yep. point of view about where the organization is at this time. Where might it go? How might it do it? It's a leadership state of the union statement that that uh, encapsulates the company and lets it know where it is and where this leader thinks it needs to go. And I would love to encourage and help any HR person to really articulate that because that's going to be their fallback position or what they can uh, argue for. And I don't think you can have a healthy culture or a transformation without having the structural support that makes sense that comes from HR. HR takes all those dreams and grounds them and the reality of a competitive environment, of how to be fair among 82,000 people, um, it's, it is where the rubber hits the road. And that's why I always liked policy. I, I voluntarily wanted, wanted to be a member of policy. Yeah, I, 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 I love it. So, and I don't want, I want... HR to be, um, if you think of development, not so only for the feelings, doing the feeling job of the whole company. No. You have to do the thinking and strategy also, and everyone else out there also has to do the feeling. Yes. <laughs> Empathy. So the conscience, I don't want HR to be the conscience of the organization. I want them to be the supportive structure for purpose idealism, and profit. And you know how that happens, in my opinion? And this is going to seem like I'm not, I'm taking power away from great HR leaders. Mm. It, it's amazing to me. I can have two organizations in the same industry, relatively the same size, have one HR department uh, be to that transactional, uh, you know, part of running the company. And then the other HR is doing exactly what you described. And to me, there are great people in both organizations, but okay. you have a leader, a CEO, a president of the company that, that I don't want to say gets it, talk about worn up, worn out uh, expressions, yeah. just sees the value of people and how to create that ballast and structure that uh, brings it to the fore. Um, so this is a show for CEOs, listen up. I'm, I'm looking at the latest uh, issue of the HR magazine. It says the five skills you need. And, well, let's, I'll just say what they are, then maybe we can see where we agree. The first one is empathy. 
Okay, can you put yourself in the other person's shoe? Yeah, and, and actually I used that a lot when there was a very tough termination of somebody who'd been in the company maybe 30 years and wasn't going to be able to work with new leadership or new demands. And, I, and I, the empathy, the, the way I would use it is I would say, here's where you're coming from and here's where it's going and this feels lousy. Yeah, I, would I mean, I don't know whether that's number one because it may be the most important of your list, but I, I clearly see empathy as being uh, an important skill. It's not even a skill. It's a way of being but uh, it's for a HR. It's a starting point. You don't have to just walk around and exude empathy for everybody. It's when do you bring it to the fore? Yes. And when don't you? Um, in fact, I can remember empathizing with a top-level officer who had to fire somebody. And I showed empathy saying, oh, this must be tough. This is going to, this is hard on you. And she just said, don't go there now. Don't go there now. Don't go there now. I'm primed for this and I'm ready for this. And I know that it's right. Don't go to feelings. She didn't say that, but that's what she yeah. was. Yeah. Because sometimes when you're at the very top of the company, you are making decisions that do hurt you. Yeah. Uh, and you have to be hired to do them. And it's a very tricky, ah, please don't get me. Well, you, you, you said something a little bit earlier that I think relates pretty closely to empathy. You talked about uh, resisting the notion of HR being the conscious of the uh, conscience of the company. And, to me, that kind of implies uh, a one up, one down, I got it, they don't have it, uh, they don't really get what's happening here. And empathy is the ability to look at every slice of an organization, like uh, from the top and bottom, and get what that person or team or leader is going through. It's, it's more about getting than somehow like, coming in and sympathizing. I have the answer here. Um, you know, I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's important. Not, yeah. 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 What's the yeah. second one, Joyce? Diplomacy. What do you think about that? I, 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 when you mentioned that, I, I kind of went to a, a couple of different places. You went to a dark place. Um, no, actually, it, I, the dark place I went to is looking at all the polarization that's happening in the world and in organizations and in institutions. Um, and I see diplomacy as someone that can go in and see the common ground that can move uh, either an organization or a team. Diplomacy yes, comes in neutral. Yeah, and it's not about being hyper-careful with your words, well, in a way it is. It's diplomacy at the highest level. Yes. Uh, like a diplomat. <laughs> uh, so like third party facilitation takes diplomacy. Um, words matter. Incredibly so. You know what I, on the top of worn out phrases, one of, that I used to hate was, we're just wordsmithing. 
And I remember jumping in and saying, no, you are creating meaning and you just have gotten chicken about it. You just are, are afraid to go forward and really find out what you mean. And so you're going to hand this statement to somebody else to wordsmith. Mm -mm. Mm. I, you know, I, I think there's another. So as I listen to you, if I think about diplomacy, it's, it's not about going in and capitulating to uh, either the prevailing winds or what leadership wants to do. I mean, diplomacy somehow keeps you centered in a way that may get you in a little trouble because the boss says, you got to get my side. It's like, well, actually, I see it a little bit differently. It's so it takes courage. I don't know if that's one of your words, but I, I think it takes courage to be diplomatic. Yes, or, it, or, or be effective. in showing a side to a person that they don't want to see. Yeah. And, and, and I, and don't you have to weigh that a lot? I mean, I'm thinking there were times when I knew the moment was right, as they say, to speak truth to power, another phrase I don't like. Um, and when not to the third one, can we go to the third one or finish? Yeah. We, we've got about eight more minutes. Oh boy. I'm back carefully. <laughs> I'll mess that up. <laughs> so you looked like you had something to say. Oh, yeah, I did and lost it. I This notion of diplomacy, um, you can cut it so many different ways. And uh, I mean, I'm ready to move on, but uh, oh, gosh. Um, now the next one is ingenuity. <laughs> Okay, what's the what's the fourth one? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! You know what though? I'll say this: I think ingenuity takes being between a rock and a hard place. Yeah, and finding the solution that shatters both of the rocks. Absolutely, and you have to stay with the damn dilemma long enough to find an ingenious solution. And that takes, I don't, that's a, that's a mental skill. It really is. Um, I don't know if it can be learned. I, I often think of the example of a lumberjack um, that can look at a river that's, that's literally stuck with the trees not being able to get down and having the ingenuity to come up with the solution that gets things kind of flowing again. That's to me, um, key because getting organizations, teams unstuck is a big part of being uh, ingen ingenuous. Ingenious. 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 I'm thinking ingenuous is not so great. And no, no. that involves looking at the broader picture and finding that little yes. place that you can find a, an elegant solution. Ah, oh, elegant solutions are so good. Well, you know, the, the others, and, and this may sound like HR having the answer, You, I think HR brings such a different perspective that they may, that HR has the responsibility of bringing different ways of thinking and doing, or at least offering those up uh, to the organization to bust through. Suddenly when you said that, I had a thought 
that HR used to be the counter position to command and control. I would agree with that. And now as our, as new leadership is emerging, which like my model of fully human leadership, um, HR can shift much more toward creating the support for transformational culture than correcting. So I would say HR needs to move from correcting to co-creating. Absolutely. Well, there's a bit there's a bit of diplomacy in that too. <laughs> no, I'm serious because because it doesn't mean it doesn't mean that you, that whatever you feels is the solution is going to be agreed upon. So part of it is understanding, you know, where to pick your battles, where not, and yeah. knowing that you can come back another day. Yeah, and that's why I would have put strategic sense in this. Yeah. These oh, absolutely. Tend to uh, never mind. I was going to say tend toward the feelingful. But the next one is one that I certainly don't have, and that's data literacy. Boy, oh boy. I mean, who doesn't need data literacy, right? Um, you know, uh, the ability to see and understand and translate. Um, it's almost like you have to be a, like a chemist or a scientist to be able to, to have that literacy, to be able to see things. And pick out the patterns and, uh, you know, yeah. I, I wouldn't doubt it. I think, I don't that's know. I, think it, I think it's very important, but what you pick to measure <laughs> behind that literacy matters a ton. And that's where design comes in. Oh, yeah. what, what are we measuring? Oh my God. I'm so sick of engagement things. I want to write to CEOs and say, you know what? If you want to, you could make your own questionnaire based on exactly what you're worrying about and send it out. <laughs> it doesn't <laughs> have to be valid and blah, 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 blah. Just ask, no. what you, ask what you want to know and do it. There's going to be a lot of good data coming back at you. Yeah. For sure. Okay, what's, what's the last one, Joyce? Integrity. Integrity. Hi. What do you want to say about that? <laughs> well, I, I think I'll, I'll, I'll begin, I'll, I'll end where we began. I, I think integrity is, is, a, is a requirement of any leader within an organization. And uh, um, the loss of integrity uh, uh, in any position uh, is damaging. But in HR, um, it, so let's make it behavioral. What does that mean? One um, is um, maintaining confidentiality and being hyper careful. Yeah, I, I you said you you said the word I quit a couple times uh, earlier. Kind of kidding or not? Um, integrity to me means kind of on those things that are absolutely critical, important. Um, it's having that moral compass to put your, uh, you know, your stake in the ground and not move it. Yeah, your job on the line. 
put your job on the line. Every once in a while, I would come home and say to David, well, I may have finally done it. <laughs> Maybe look around uh, your job. Um, yeah. And I think, honestly, the integrity is knowing what your truth is and being able to say it diplomatically, like to the CEO, I think you need to take another look at this talent. I don't see him having the talent that you do. Yeah. Yeah. But now that now that also shows the power differential always skews communication. That I, oh. as a P of OD, later an EVP, sometimes felt like, oh, I just crossed the line off with my head. That's crazy. Yeah. Now it is. It is. That's integrity. So uh, we're at time. So can I, can I give our listeners a challenge? Only if later on I can do a minute of silly. Oh, you're going to definitely be able to do that. So uh, you just gave an example where a CEO uh, can go out and get great information, great data, just by getting curious about what's on their mind and then asking the organization questions. So to all of our OD, HR, particularly HR practitioners out there, empathy, diplomacy, ingenuity, data literacy, and integrity. Go looking inside yourself, um, grab some data that, that uh, are real examples of how you demonstrate that in your job, because it's so needed. And better yet, ask your coworkers at the table, if you're an officer and you're at the top table, ask them to rate you on that or ask, what would you add? Yeah, I would love to use this where I just put it up on a whiteboard, these yeah. words, sit yeah. down with my HR and say, okay, let's talk about how we true up uh, to these attributes. Uh, uh, and it's a huge hurdle, meaning I think it's not an easy task to be nailing every one of these. And you can find this in the Shroom Org uh, HR magazine. Cool. Uh, Shroom sure gets, <laughs> gets a plug. So here's the deal, well, which I love because it also gives quite a bit of pride to the profession. So go Shroom. Um, um, yeah. There was a survey, of, I, this is my silly part. The most annoying jargon, a survey of more than a thousand U.S. residents found these business buzzwords to be the most annoying. Giving 110%. I'll ping you later. Think outside the box. Low-hanging fruit. Reinvent the wheel. Synergy. Take it to the next level. Next level is big right now. Um, I used to play business bingo. <laughs> <laughs> I won't say when or how, but no, during meetings, especially if um, not everybody was in the same room, I'd make a list of words to see how many times they, how many times the jargon was used. And it, <laughs> it's just put it this way: it kept me and whatever my colleague well, who was in the room. It kept us entertained. Oh my God! <laughs> I, I, if I were one of those people, and I think on a couple occasions I was. When you hear that word come out, you, you have to like literally suppress your gasp or your laughter. So here was one, granular. 
granular was big. Was okay. Over- the, these numbers and the results we're getting are not good enough. We have to get granular into the data. That's right. Okay. So look, it's time. We got to go. Good. Let's go away from granular. Let's oh. be in the- <laughs> Perfect. You know, after thinking about today's episode, it uh, it almost has a little bit of a punitive uh, tone to it in terms of trying to wake up HR, trying to get HR out of being a sleepy compliance organization. And nothing can be further from the truth. It's uh, as much as we, we talk about our own experiences and how we change, uh, this is about HR shifting from uh, uh, being that compliance of the 20th century to really a dynamic force that's so much needed in today's world. So appreciate you listening. If you were offended at all at uh, some of the things that we said, uh, our apologies. And uh, till the next time, be well and be safe.